Before we get started, Dead and Married would like to thank those very close to our Dead Black Hearts, our patrons. Thank you to William Rush, Karima Rhodes, my best friend and fellow Tom Atkins lover, Gary Horton, Carissa. Jonathan says thank you. Dr. Sexy himself, Kent Morton. Oh yeah. Kate Lamp, Travis's cowgirl, Lala Thomas. Hey girl. And last but certainly not least, our friends over at the Podmortem Podcast. You can also check out their very own show every Monday on all major platforms. And now, on with the show. Warning, the following show features spoilers and opinions performed either by professionals or under the supervision of professionals. Accordingly, Dead and Married and the producers must insist that no one attempt to recreate or reenact any opinion or fuckery performed on this show. Hey honey, before we get started, I just got one question for you. Do you want to build a snowman? (laughs) Just let it go. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Dead and Married. I'm your host, Ashley. And I'm Travis. And today we are talking Frozen. No, not that one. We are talking the 2010 survival horror film written and directed by Adam Green. I'm waiting for That's Right, Jim. Are you, I don't get it, That's Right, Jim? No. <laughs> So, to me, this is a film that's widely overlooked in the horror community, and I'm not entirely sure why, because like I said last week, this movie scared the shit out of me on first time watch, but... I'm guessing Travis doesn't feel the same way. No, <laughs> no, I don't. It's a hard movie to stick with for me. Um, it's one it's cause it's the whole movie takes place on a ski lift mm-hmm. and there's supposed to be like a lot of tension, I guess, or you're supposed to put yourself in their situation and, and feel that fear, I guess that the, uh, the people that are involved feel. And I just don't get that. I, it's you know, high places, scary, but I don't know. I would not have handled it the way that they handled it. I no, don't think. he, would have handled it a lot worse so you guys don't know this about travis but he is deathly terrified of heights yeah i mean (laughs) assuming that you could have gotten me on that ski lift when it stopped i would be like all right i guess this is where i die then because i'm i'm stuck i'm not i'm just not getting down i'm gonna throw you two off so that i can lay down and and this is where i die that's what's happening so Um, wow, I don't even know where to go from that. So let's talk about the premise here. So the premise is that we've got three, I'd say, college students. Yeah, they're college students. Young adults who are... I don't want to say vacationing. They're they're just they're on a trip to a New England ski resort called Mount Holliston, and we pretty much pick up where they're trying to bribe their way onto the ski lift because they do not have enough money to pay for the three of them. They are successful in this endeavor, but wind up getting accidentally trapped on the ski lift for the weekend, and all kinds of horror ensues. I don't know if it's all kinds of horror. It's like one kind of horror. Well, there's more things in them just being stuck up on this thing. There are the elements, obviously. There are, is some wolves and <laughs> frostbite needing to go pee really bad. <laughs> That's a horrific situation, but if you've ever had to hold your pee for longer than an hour, then you would know that that can be horrific. I don't don't know. I can, I mean, I I don't know. I'm a dude. I do what Sean Ashmore's character did, just pee off the side. (laughs) 
and all then, right and then just die all right all right fine he's he's not he's not giving me much to go on today <laughs> so why don't we talk about first time watches this was one you and i watched together it was i believe it was a straight to dvd i mean they did have like a very limited theatrical run i believe they played at sundance and other festivals but when we came across it it was at our local video store at the time and you were like hey let's rent this movie and i was like okay and then that was pretty much that and it's yeah it scared the ever-loving shit out of me to the point where travis was like it's okay it's just a movie <laughs> yeah when you were curled up on the couch crying uh, i was a little bit more dramatic than that but we'll get there <laughs> but let's talk about the cast and crew shall we sure all right so this movie was directed by adam green written by adam green <laughs> was, yeah he's kind of a one-man show for the most part um it stars sean ashmore as joe lynch uh, he's named after one of adam green's friends emma bell plays uh parker o'neill also named after one of his friends kevin zeggers is dan walker guess who he's named after <laughs> one of adam green's friends i do want to interject though that uh joe lynch is also a film director yes so yes gems is. is mayhem so we've got kane hotter in here he kind of does a cameo as uh, he's he's credited as Cody. I think they only say his name one time. Yeah, he's like a snowplow driver. Right. And that's just about it. Yeah, it's a, it's Although a all the people that cast. I just named, like Joe Lynch and Adam Green, they're also in the movie. Yes. So there's, um, there's lots of little neat little cameos and Easter egg bits and that type of stuff. Yeah. And if you go through like music, the music, I, I didn't realize there oh my gosh. was any. <laughs> but uh, it was done by Andy Garfield. And uh, it so Green does the same thing that a lot of them do because Andy Garfield also did the music for Hatchet and Chillerama and Hatchet 2. Mm-hmm. So he kind of just uses the same people on every project. Uh, but they did a good job. I mean, I, honestly, I don't recognize any of these people. Like the makeup department was Chris Hansen, Ed Matsu, Greg Moon, and Robin Michelle Patrick. They're not like the big names that you typically hear of, mm-hmm. but they did a good job. I mean, I, everything they did on this movie was practical, mm-hmm. I think, except for some snow. There's some, like when the storm hits and you can tell that it's a, a visual effect because it looks... I read that there was absolutely no CGI used on this. Well, there's visual effects listed as, as credited. <laughs> so, I'm just saying. But, I mean, aside from the snow, which if it was real, it was the fakest looking real snow I've seen, but everything else looked good. Yeah. I mean... There's, there's a lot of stuff done on here that it it's just, ah, I can't talk. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it all looks really great. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't have any, even though it's not, like I said, it's not the big name people. I didn't have an issue with any of the stuff that they had in here. I, everybody involved with the project, I, I feel like they did a good job. Right. And and like I said, it's fun to see those little Easter eggs and say, oh yeah, I recognize that guy from here, or I recognize this person from here, or here's the, the names or uh, voices in some case. There was just voice work done in some actor's case, which was fun, little neat stuff to pick up on. Well, and D. Schneider did in this. Right. So, and his son was in it. His son shows up like in the background shot when they're at the lodge or whatever, mm-hmm. and he's wearing a twisted sister shirt. Right. Uh, and Joel David Moore, who's an actor in Hatchet, I believe he's he's our main character. He is one of the voices talking to Kane Hodder, telling him to get back to. And uh, there's, I think, yeah, you already said D. Schneider does. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. Yeah, just it's just a voice. Yeah, but it's it's, it's fun. And yeah. then of course seeing Kane Hodder, you're like, hey, so right. that's cool. But he, I really, I really enjoy Adam Green as a director. I'm a little disappointed that he hasn't really done anything since. Oh gosh, I can't remember if it's Hatchet Three or Victor Crowley. He hasn't done anything for a few years now, and it's kind of disappointing because he was one that was kind of coming up with the rest of the guys like Eli Roth and Rob Zombie around that same time and so I wish that or I'm kind of anxious I guess for the next thing that he does because if as of late he's really not doing anything besides TV and short films and stuff but everything starting with Hatchet and this you know it looked really really promising and uh, he's just he he seems like a really funny guy and he's obviously a film lover so it's just you know it's a little disappointing that he hasn't done anything here recently um the rest of the the cast they've continued to act nothing huge still just tv but you know they've continued to keep working today and that i think that that's great but i uh, really have enjoyed the films that he has made and this one is no exception yeah well he seems to kind of do the movies that he wants to do because i don't know that he's got his own production company mm-hmm. um but yeah he does what he wants not necessarily what a big studio is going to want to do right. so it may that may make it a little bit harder uh, right. for him to get some of that stuff. He also had a TV show that we really enjoyed called Holliston. Yeah, it was pretty funny. It was really funny and supposedly they were supposed to have gone on to make a season three because it kind of and season two ended on a cliffhanger and then season three never happened so that was a disappointment too. So I'm just like come on, come on Adam Green, something else, something else. Yeah, yeah but I always appreciate it when somebody says this is what I want to do and I'm just gonna I'm gonna stay true to myself that sounds really corny (laughs) but you know they don't they don't sell out like i'm just gonna do the big popular studio movies i'm gonna do the stuff that makes me happy right i I can respect that and that's one of the things i love about hatchet too because they're one they didn't have a lot of money you know they didn't have a big budget they kind of had b-movie actors or actors you hadn't heard of before and yet made and daniel harris and made another iconic monster as far as I'm concerned in Victor Crowley and those movies are so much fucking fun so he obviously has a love for the genre not to mention just the most funny sense of humor and gross out humor if you can stand to stomach some of that stuff and they get really creative with the kills in the hatchet movies right and And they get really big chainsaws for the hatchet movies I mean, it's basically, it's Jason Voorhees in a swamp. Right. But, I don't know, it works. It works. I like them. I like the Hatchet movies. Yeah, and yet this one is scaled so far back that you wouldn't realize that it's the same director. I didn't think it was the same the same person. You told me it was Adam Green. I was like, the Hatchet guy? Yeah. He made this movie? Yeah, because this one is, is such a serious tone, and there's almost next to no humor in it whatsoever besides the odd little joke here and there. But, yeah, super serious super emotional in some cases and just yeah really really strange but let's talk a little bit about why you don't necessarily care for this movie and I'll talk about what some of the audience reactions have been um I think it's uh, I don't know there, there 
I didn't, it didn't engage me, I guess. There weren't any of the characters that jumped out at me like I'm, I'm attached to them or care about what happens to them. I mean, they opened as three spoiled sort of rich kids. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we didn't want to do the right thing. So we're just going to throw some money at somebody and get what we want anyway. And I don't like that. Um, I just, I don't know. I think that's it. Like you've got to give me something to get me like attached to the characters, give me people I care about. And they just didn't. So they end up in this ski lift because they're dumb. <laughs> And something bad happened to them. So I, I have a hard time seeing them as victims. Like, if, if they had just done what they were supposed to do, they would have never ended up in that situation. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not going to dispute the fact that they kind of come across as unlikable. But I think that that stops after a certain point. Because you do get to spend an awful lot of time with this char- these characters and getting to know them as people. And, you know, kind of what, what has formed these bonds and these relationships relationships and and caused some of the tension between characters and I think that that's great and so I do feel like after a certain point you do start to root for them a little bit or at least I did yeah well I'm not saying that I'm not saying they deserved it that's not what I'm saying at all I just when they opened that way I was like all right well I mean I guess you, you fucked around and you found out <laughs> That's that's what it boils down to. Well, we were watching this. Aiden Aiden was watching this with us, and he was like, "I'm sorry, but I just have no sympathy for stupidity." And I I hate when people do that. So let let's get into what some of the viewer complaints have been here. Um, one of them was they couldn't understand why they didn't have their cell phones. That is not only is it explained in the movie is that they're they're on break. They don't want to be talk. They don't want to be on their phones. Imagine that. The other thing is people lose their phones or break them while they're skiing or snowboarding the other is they're on a mountain they have no signal out there i mean we're talking back in 2009 2010 where phones have are not what they are today they were probably still carrying flip phones at that point which had a range of what yeah 60 feet (laughs) who knows but either way they haven't progressed as far as they have now so i don't doubt that they wouldn't have a signal there you know that this might be one of those cases where you need to satellite phone or something like that i don't i don't i don't know i don't know well i mean at some point she talks about you know give me the key to the locker or whatever and she's gonna go get her phone so apparently they do work at the lodge Mm -hmm. but there's no guarantee that they're gonna work where they are i mean shit even now you find places like if you're driving you get out there in the middle of nowhere and you'll hit a dead spot right yeah it still happens and they've put up a million cell phone towers since this movie was made so i mean what'd you say what year 2009 2010 yeah so i mean there were there were massive dead spots all over the united states (laughs) (laughs) That was... That was just a thing. It was part of life. So I I don't know. The next thing is talking about how to get off of this lift. So people have said, why didn't they just make a ladder out of their clothing, which Mythbusters did an episode on and said their clothing would rip or their arms would not be able to handle going that far down. Your arms would give out. My thought process was also between the rain and the snow, wouldn't their clothes be wet and slippery? Seems like they would slide down and fall Uh, i don't know i don't know i mean yeah they would be they might be wet but i don't know about that i don't think that would stop you um as far as the clothes not being strong enough that's a hundred percent true i mean you if you bend down the wrong way you rip your pants (laughs) so i mean they're not going to support your weight yeah uh, much less the the weight of three people i don't necessarily buy the whole you don't have the arm strength because i mean you just kind of keep a good enough grip on it and you would just sort of slide down you 
know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know about that. But yeah, no. I mean, where the hell are these people buying clothes that they're strong enough to support a person? Yeah. What kind of clothes are you wearing? Like, <laughs> just, goddamn. They weren't wearing Carhartt. No. <laughs> no, they weren't. Which I don't think those would either. <laughs> they're I mean, pretty strong. They're some damn strong pants and stuff. And then when you get to the bottom, guess what? You have no clothes on. Yeah. And you just, you die anyway. Yeah. So even if you did have Superman clothes that can support <laughs> human human body weight, you get to the bottom. How do you? It's not like the fucking rope in Lord of the Rings where you just pull on it one way and it all falls down. What the hell are these people thinking? Oh my gosh. Uh, and then Aiden, he was complaining at certain points about the jump as far as the actual jump would go. He was saying, I'm sorry, but I'm going to jump. And he's like, and, and I do understand that when you would jump, especially from a height like that, you wouldn't go feet down like an idiot. So our question was, how do you fall in a case like that? Aiden says he would try to tuck an arm in and land on shoulder or side. He's like, worst case scenario, I have a broken arm, but I can still run. And I'm like, yeah, but you could also break some ribs, puncture a lung that way. I don't know. I, so I've seen those parkour guys make some pretty big jumps and they they land on their feet but their knees are bent and they kind of hit and roll forward onto their shoulders so i get what he's talking about they're not jumping down 50 feet and that's, not that's every five person stories. does parkour <laughs> yeah that's that's not five stories yeah i mean so here's the deal uh one of the guys sean ashmore's character he's a skier and the other one is a snowboarder so even if these are big extreme sports guys that doesn't mean they know how to take a fall like that and bell i can't think of her name right now <laughs> Oh yeah, Emma Bell. Sorry, she can't ski or snowboard or yeah. whatever. There's no, there's nothing anywhere that would indicate that any of these three people would know how to do that. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. You just sit there and you wait to freeze to death. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. It, as horror film watchers, we often sit and we talk to the TV about, you know, we, we do the Jada Pinkett and Scream 2. We're like, no, don't go in there. Don't do this. Don't do that. But I feel like in real life, you wouldn't be thinking rationally like that. I mean, yes, if you had time to sit and think about the situation, sure, you could probably come up with a good plan of attack. But in the heat of the moment, I don't know that you would react in the smartest way every single time. I mean, not the average person. I don't feel like they would. No, no. I mean, you, you, you're not going to know how you'd react to it until you get in that situation. But I know how I am with high places. <laughs> so I know I have got a pretty good feeling how I would react to that. Yes, I do too. But I won't embarrass you. <laughs> like, no, I'm just, I'm just going to sit here. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not jumping you out of your mind. <laughs> Climb? No. <laughs> Yeah. Which that was the other one is that people were like, why didn't they climb the, the, the whole climbing thing? The cable thing. Yeah. And he did. And it tore his gloves up. And we were told or we, we heard also from the stunt person who did that stunt that it ate through his gloves, too. And he had on special gloves specifically made for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've handled cable before because you remember uh, at my parents' house, dad had put up that zip line in the backyard mm-hmm. and cable, even even small cable, like it gets frayed and you get little wires poking out. It's stuff sharp as hell. Yeah. I mean, that it's not, he's not doing an obstacle course here. Right. It's, that, that cable would eat right through those gloves. Yeah. So. Especially with him sliding on it. It would be like sliding your hand on a chainsaw. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it would just chew him right up, which it did in the, in the film. So, yeah. So I don't know. I guess my way of thinking is, is for the average person, this would be a very terrifying situation. Yeah. I just don't, I don't know. I feel like everybody's always got the easy, smart answer now. And it's like, come on, come my, on. My only question is when, Sean Ashmore does finally manage to climb over to the t- 
tower and get down. He gets a snowboard. Why did he sit on it? He still had his boots on. Were they the wrong kind of boots to clip in and just go down the mountain really fast? Maybe. I mean, because he, he was the, skiing, not snowboarding. He did the butt scooting boogie and he got eaten. <laughs> And I just don't. Like, why Why didn't you just use the snowboard? There was nothing wrong with the snowboard. All right. So moving on, let's talk about the story itself. So you've already brought up that we kind of get introduced to these guys and they're not the most likable people. So what we have here is two lifelong buddies. And because one of the guys, uh, being Dan, has invited his girlfriend along for this trip, much to Lynch's chagrin. But he's trying to be a good sport about it. But at the same time, he's also kind of being a little douchey about it. Because I, I understand at a certain point that this was a trip that was supposed to be just for them. But at the same time, it feels very immature that he can't. I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain. How do you feel about that? Um... I don't know. He he could have been he could have acted like an adult <laughs> probably. But I can kind of understand his frustration cuz you get the impression that this is not the first time that they've done this. Like this is a this is just a thing that they do together, you know. Um so I could kind of understand him being a little upset that he's she's he's bringing a bringing his girlfriend along, but he, he's kind of a douche about it. I mean, like the little comments and all that stuff. Like he grow up, dude. Well, I I don't know. I guess my thing is and you and I are not really notorious for having friends that we just take off with like that facts and so i guess that's my thing a little bit is that it's like at some point you have to realize that people do get into relationships they do move on and they want to be with that person i mean doesn't mean you have to stop being friends but at some point you have to accept the fact that your friends are going to move on and have their own lives yeah i don't i don't know that it works that way for some people though i yeah. think we're weird <laughs> we must be yeah i think i think we're strange in that respect because you're my friend that i want to yes. hang out with yes I don't, if I have a choice between hanging out with other people and hanging out with you, I'd rather hang out with you. Right. So and we don't really do that thing. But at the same time, like I said, he could have acted like a grown up. He could have had a conversation with his buddy beforehand and said, hey man, look, this is kind of a me and you thing. And I feel like it's going to be a deal if you bring her along. And if he said, hey, I want to bring her anyway. Cool. Suck it up. Like, yeah. Go find you a booty call while you're out there. Do something, but don't just be an asshole to her the whole time. Well, supposedly he, they did have a conversation about it and he was totally totally fine with it but it's one of those things where if he wasn't maybe yeah he should have said he should have been honest and said i'm not okay with it right but at any rate he, they're kind of going along and they're getting held back by her a little bit so they're not getting to do the runs that they're wanting to do because she's just a beginner doesn't know how to do anything so they're hanging back with her and as a result they are running late into the night trying to get some time in together now she does try to say hey, I'll go off and I'll do my own thing while you guys go. But they insist that no, she goes ahead and tags along. Meanwhile, Lynch has met a girl, sort of. Um, he's helping this girl out who's also a newbie and then has an a jealous, I was going to say Ellis. <laughs> she has an Ellis Jack's boyfriend. <laughs> A jealous ex-boyfriend who proceeds to shove him down and then the girl comes back to him later and is like, hey, I apologize and we need to get together sometime and gives him uh, her phone number and he has no pen. It's a, it's a whole thing. And he's trying to remember this phone number as they're getting ready to do this last run. They go back to the guy that they bribed and he's they're trying to convince him to let them ride one more time so they can do one last run and he's telling them no because they have inclement weather coming in. They're about 
about to close, but they somehow convince him anyway. And then he he ends up having to, it's it's very it's actually a little convoluted if if I think about no, it. No, I mean. So he let he agrees to let him on, and then this other guy comes up, and he's like, "Hey man, you got to work next week." And he's like, "No, I'm not. I'm not working next week. I'm the best man at my brother's wedding, or some shit like that." Hey, stay here. I got to go take a leak. By the way, there's three more people that should be coming back down any minute, and then he runs off. And then that guy gets a call on the radio, and he's like, "Oh no, 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 I got to go do something else." So the guy has no idea what the three. our three main people look like. He mm-hmm. sees three people come down the mountain. He shuts it off, and they stick the flag in. in the, the thing seat is, that's that's the something. part that kills me is that the asshole they bribed had already put the flag i guess to mark the last seat in the the lift before they walked up it didn't occur to him to say something about that right no it just it's just this kind of series of unfortunate events i guess that happens maybe yeah misunderstanding and then they 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 get up there because this this lift has already stopped once in their first ride during the day and so it stops again and they're thinking you know this is the same thing that happened to them earlier not knowing that the park itself is shutting down until all the lights start going off and then they proceed to freak out yeah and there was something they kept showing like they showed it at the very very beginning of the movie this yellow mark on the cable right the yellow paint on the cable (laughs) you know what (laughs) we couldn't find anything that held any significance for that but it just kept showing up and so that's what like is that a significant thing was that supposed to mean something it never did no like i don't know why they felt like that just needed to keep popping up in there i think you're placing too much importance on it. Well, that bugs the shit out of me. <laughs> so as they do, you would start to freak out. Why Why is the park closing? Why, are, you know, why isn't anybody coming up to get us? And I don't know. How would you guys react in a situation like that? Because they start, you know, screaming their heads off and start to panic because the, the park is not going to open up for another week. And then a snowplow shows up and they start trying to get the driver's attention. They're not getting his attention. And Aiden started hollering about why are they not throwing things down to get the driver's attention, which they did, but they waited till the driver was backing up to start doing that. And he was looking behind him because he was reversing. And I don't know. The problem I had with that was that they were throwing the stuff down in front of the snowplow. And like you said, they did wait until he was leaving to do it. Why weren't they throwing it at the snowplow? You know what I mean? Like throw that shit at the windshield. And they didn't try that hard because when he backs off, um, Ashmore's character is missing what one ski mm-hmm. and his ski poles. She threw nothing at it. I think she threw her mask. Yeah. Like that's not going to do anything. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Like, why aren't, why do they still have two snowboards up there? The snowboard should be like banging off his windshield. I think they did throw a snowboard. Maybe down, they did throw one. But maybe throwing it up from 50 feet in the air might have been the reason why. I don't know. I'm just saying that if they'd actually hit it, he probably would have stopped and yeah. looked. But... Because at one point she throws a scarf down and it just kind of lands and it blows off and lands in a tree. Yeah. So well, maybe... that's when she was throwing the scarf down so he could tie off his broken leg right. for the tourniquet thing. Right. So, I mean, I get that, but I don't know. It just... And like, if you're going to jump down, that was the time to jump. Oh, yeah. When there's somebody there. I hadn't thought about that. Maybe like try least, to jump on top of the truck. I mean, goddamn, it's Kane Hodder. <laughs> Even if he broke both legs, he could tuck him under an arm and run down the mountain. <laughs> 
That's probably like true. why not jump when there's someone there to help you. That's true. Because but... then when they're like, there's suddenly a broken person on the ground in front of me. Shit, maybe I should look up. There's more people up there. Right. That's that's a, that's fair. I will give you that one. But nonetheless, once the driver's gone, and there's multiple scenes throughout this film of them trying to make idle chit chat to pass the time. Um, I would say nothing of any real significance other than just like I said, just some character development stuff, getting to know these people. But they do have this one conversation about what would be the worst way to die. And I don't, I don't know. I would like to say that I think that they probably foreshadow some of this. Yeah, I would say that's probably fair. The thing is, at no point did any of them pick out freezing to death as the most painful way to die. Right. They talk about burning and they talk about getting eaten alive mm -hmm. and Sarlacc pit. <laughs> yeah. Nice little reference there. Which that one comes back later. But uh, yeah, they don't ever address hypothermia or anything like that. Right. So, but what I found odd is that that was the very first conversation they had after after it stopped and they realized they weren't getting down. Right. And it was like, why would you bring something Why is like that the that? first thing you want to talk about? <laughs> well, to be fair, he did ask them what their favorite breakfast cereals were and nobody, <laughs> nobody brought that it's up. It's Captain Crunch. <laughs> it's not a contest. <laughs> but at any rate, they do decide, well, Dan decides that he needs to jump, that that's the only way that they're going to be able to get any help. Now, this scene did cause supposedly caused somebody at Sundance to actually pass out. I, I don't know. I've never really broken a bone other than toes. I believe you have seen your actual bone before, though, but not from, not yeah, from not a break. Yeah, not from a break. It was from a very, very bad cut. Yeah. But um, how did you feel about that first? Because this is our first kind of traumatic scene of the film. I've got, I've got a hard time with that. Like, that's probably the only thing... Well, there's only two things in this movie that kind of like made me cringe a little bit. This is the first one. Mm -hmm. um, the compound fracture thing. Like we've seen those YouTube videos of like people getting hurt playing sports and stuff. Like, you know, a basketball player goes up for rebound and they come down and their leg turns into a banana. And I, that's just, oh, it's so bad. Um, but his bone was sticking out of both legs, compound fracture in both legs. Uh, and that, yeah, it was pretty rough. And it's not super gory. I mean, there's not like blood squirting everywhere or anything like that. But what practical effects they did do there with the bone sticking out of his pants. Yeah. Um, that was good. It was, it was good. It was good. It was a cool shot from the perspective of his legs coming down to him. What they did was they attached a pair of legs to a camera and followed that all the way down, which I thought, I thought was really cool. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, they did. They did kind of some neat stuff with shooting and we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, but yeah, that was the first thing that I think kind of stressed us out. Now, I like Kevin Zeggers as an actor. I've watched him for a really long time. And uh, I think he while he's not really known known, I think a lot of people probably would recognize him from the Dawn of the Dead remake as one of the security guards. So while these weren't exactly characters you wanted to root for, I kind of was rooting for him just to a little bit because it is an actor I, that I know and I didn't want to see anything bad happen to him. Which security guard was he? Uh, okay, there was the, the dickhead one. Handlebar or, mustache. Yes. And then there was his little crony that went along with him. He was, so he was the good guy? Yes, he was, okay. he was a good one then to pairing off with that little redheaded girl. I, I, okay, I know who you're talking about now. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so meanwhile they're trying to, I don't know, they're trying to get him fixed. Like, like, like we just said, she throws a scarf down trying to get him to tie a tourniquet. They're throwing down whatever they can basically to help save his life but really to no avail i think he does end up tying off one leg but he kind of does but the thing that i didn't understand about this is that it seems like you would go into shock yeah 
and, bleed out very quickly. And he, he would have been bleeding a lot. Yeah. I mean, I get it that it's cold and all that, but it still seems like he would not have lasted as long as he did. Right. I mean, either shock or the cold or blood loss would have gotten him, I would think. Oh, this is... Okay, okay. So we do have one... We do find out that wolves are also a threat here, and we do have one wolf show up. This is where she throws her board down to scare the wolf away. Right. And then this is about the part where Lynch decides that he's going to try to scale the cable in order to get to one of the other poles to the ladder. And as he starts to go, he sees something we don't know what it is yet but he sees something and very quickly backtracks toward the car gets back to Parker and tells her not to look now this is where I freaked the fuck out (laughs) because now we see that there's a pack of wolves circling Dan and he's screaming up at Lynch don't you let her look and you just know that it's going to be so fucking bad so again me sitting here not wanting to see anything bad happen <laughs> I I don't know. And, and it's not like it really shows anything either. Well, I was going to say, the good news is you don't see anything bad happen, but you hear it and the sound design is, uh, is on It's on point. You do get one sort of shot of his face and it's just kind of covered in blood and you see that there, there's like these quick cuts of the wolves that, that like lunging for him and stuff. But yeah, you don't actually see any gore. I believe that they, there was an alternate scene where it did show everything and I think it was used overseas. Um, but not in the cut that we got, obviously, where it's more just implied that he's been eaten alive. I, I think just hearing the wolves and hearing him screaming is more effective than seeing it. Yeah, and you don't hear him scream for long either. That's the thing that's... Yeah. Uh, is he screams for about a minute and then it just stops all of right. a sudden. So... That was the, that was the, the other one that yeah. kind of got me, was that one right there. I was like, oh man, that's so bad. Yeah, so the first time we watched this, I like pretty much jumped up to the top of our couch, like the head part of it. And started screaming and crying like frantically. And you you looked over at me and you go, Ashley, what the fuck? It's just a movie. Yeah. (laughs) Like, what is the matter with you? And I just sat there and bawled and bawled and bawled. And (laughs) I will say, we'll we'll get into acting in a minute, but I will say that Emma Bell's performance here was really good because she let out the most terrifying, not terrifying, but she let out the most realistic scream that I've I've ever heard. That was a scream queen worthy scream. Yes. Yeah, definitely was. And then they, the the next day, I think, um, because she already has like frostbite settling in, but the next day, this is where we see that it's getting progressively worse. Her hand, she has a Christmas story moment with her hand where she wakes up and because she had thrown one of her gloves off too, her hand is stuck to the safety bar and she very slowly peels it up, which was a good effect there too, I thought. Yeah, her skin stays on the bar. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know that she would be able to still move that hand though. Oh, I don't, yeah. I mean, they never talk about how cold it is there, but Mm -hmm. I mean, the hand is starting to, it's like bluish purple. And the, and the thing I, that I thought kind of was strange too was when she, after she peels her hand off, you can see that all this bloody skin is stuck to the bar, but it does show her hand later on in the film and it does not look anywhere as bad as you would expect it to be. It's just like there's a couple of pieces gone and I'm sitting there going, wait, I thought like her whole bottom of her hand was ripped off. Yeah, that's thing. what it that's what it shows when she peels the hand off. But later, no, the damage is not not that severe. Right. And then she's got this little patch of uh, frostbite on her cheek and she goes 
toes. I guess it's itchy. I mean, I can't think of any other reason, but she I've, keeps I've never had frostbite. I don't know if fucking it... with it, and she ends up wiping the scab off. She wipes the skin off. Yeah, so that was that was pretty nasty too. Yeah. I don't know. See, I don't think they would have still been alive at that point. I think she would have died up there because I don't know how cold it is. Again, they'd never say, but I'm, goddamn, her and uh, the dude, the other guy, Lynch, Lynch, yeah, <laughs> they've been sitting in that chairlift for. How long now? I, a full day. Yeah. Like all night and then all day. I think at some point the cold would have just got them. I, I, I don't think they would have woken up. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either how far fetched that is or whatever. But the, the, when you're t- talking about things like not only is it snowing, but it's also sleeting. It's also raining. It just seems like that would have moved it along even faster. Well, possibly? I mean, it, it doesn't show the rain uh, in the film, but it did rain on them while they were filming. Mm-hmm. And they, there was, I guess there's a few camera angles where they say you can see it i never noticed it i didn't either but yeah apparently it did really rain while they were really filming uh in utah yeah and it was cold as hell right so after another full day then and some more conversation basically about uh, lynch telling parker how he and dan met as children he decides that he's he fuck this he's had enough and he's going to try to the cables again and the wolves have returned he manages to make it across two different lengths of cable and then to the pole and down and then like you said he gets on the snowboard and gets on his behind and kind of scoots down and we see that the wolves are going after him and he never never returns so Parker wakes up and she decides that she's going to try to jump herself but at this time the box or seat that they're sitting in has there's been a bolt come loose yeah and so it's I don't know it's rattling it's, yeah, it's, well, loose. I mean, it's, it's gonna just, fall off it's just loose the bolt that's holding it on to the little bracket is has come out. Yeah. So she finally jumps off after, um, because the seat has come down partially. And so that's dropped her several feet down. And so she's able to fall without any real consequence until the chair comes all the way loose and lands on her leg. Well, she does the smart thing. She doesn't try to just bail off the seat. Right. She tries to hang. So, I mean, you can, you could take several feet off the drop just by hanging before you let go. Mm -hmm. But then when the chair comes loose, I guess it's a safety cable. Um, It looks like she probably drops and drops another six or seven feet i mean she falls for a pretty good pretty good distance so i mean it, it cut the the amount of her fall considerably she just didn't move when she hit the ground so mm-hmm. then the, when the chair finally does come loose it lands on her foot right but she is able to crawl away and then ends up seeing the horrible mangled remains of lynch who was also eaten by the wolves and manages to get to the road and to safety the end so why don't we t- talk about the performances I I don't have a problem with any of the acting in it. I feel like it was good. Um, I think she did a good job. Well, all of them, all of them did. Mm-hmm. I've got no complaints. Yeah, I didn't either. I said I I thought that there, I did come across a couple of uh, YouTube videos where people were making fun or saying that these were cringy acting moments. I didn't feel that way at all. I didn't get that I, from them. And the thing is, is that at the time that this movie was made, these weren't well-known actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't see anything that stuck out. I was like, oh, look at that line delivery. Right. It was all it was all pretty quality stuff. Yeah, and there was she goes on this kind of monologue about how she left her dog apart uh, apart. She left her dog alone at her apartment, and that her dog's gonna starve, and it's gonna wonder why she didn't come back. And it's it's a really really sad moment in the film, and I absolutely believed her. Like that to me, that's part of what made it so sad was her delivery of it. Well, I have this this theory about the emotional part of this because there's several occasions where the the cast has to give an emotional performance and i'm talking about 
uh, all three of them, because that's the whole cast. Um, they were really in a lift, mm-hmm. suspended 50 feet up off the ground, and uh, Green and the DP, right? Right. Had, like, strapped a bucket to the cable, like, bucket from a boom truck, mm-hmm. and put the camera in it, and they were the ones filming because the camera crew refused to get in it. Right. They, they were too afraid. And so they were stuck up there in that cold, miserable place with nothing to drink and nothing to eat, and probably no very, breaks. very few bathroom breaks. They didn't get and any so bathroom Green, breaks. Green and the DP were like, if you guys don't get it, we don't get it. So they were all up there suffering together. So I would imagine that some of those emotions were pretty real. Right. Uh, just not for the same reason. You know what I mean? Just yeah. the stress of being up there and, and being miserable. <laughs> Completely and, fucking miserable. Yeah. And supposedly they had special and several layers of thermal clothing on. But I would have to imagine that in a temperature like that and at night, it wouldn't really matter. I would still think you'd be pretty fucking cold. And their faces weren't covered. Like, yeah. Um. Supposedly they got um, windburnt. They got sunburnt. Like, it, yeah, it just sounds like it would be a miserable shoot yeah because i i well i say i don't like the cold i prefer the cold to the summer but i don't like to be cold at the same time yeah well i'm fickle when it comes to the weather because when it's 105 degrees outside and i'm working in it i'll tell you i can't wait for winter to get here when it's cold and then well just here recently when i'm working outside and it's 20 degrees and like, goddamn when's summer gonna get here <laughs> so you just can't make me happy in terms of weather <laughs> no I don't think so either. (laughs) So one more interesting tidbit of information I have before we wrap this sucker up is, did you know, okay, so this was shot on location at a ski resort or whatever you call those. Yeah, it's a resort. In Utah. And they scouted like the perfect lift to like, could I survive jumping from this height until they finally found one that was on an abandoned ski lift. And this is where we got our 50 foot drop. But did you know? that they also had someone commit suicide a year prior on that lift. Not in the same exact chair. I think it was several chairs back, but on the exact spot that they stopped was where someone had committed suicide. Yeah, I think you told me about that because the chair stopped on its own in that spot. Yeah, which is haunted. That's creepy. But you could also see the bullet hole still supposedly in the chair. Yeah. And somebody at a Q&A confirmed that that was actually a fact because that person and was friends with the person who did it. So, kind of creepy. It is kind of creepy. Ugh. Yeah, and apparently Adam Green doesn't like high places either. Mm-hmm. So, I guess he rode all those lifts and they would, he trying to find that spot, like, you know, could I jump from here and survive? Nah, it's too close to the ground. And Yeah, I couldn't this. do that. It'd be easy for me because <laughs> the chair would take off. I'd get about five feet off the ground and be like, that's it. <laughs> this is where I die. I can't jump down from here. So we, I'll just, I'll go ahead and tell the story. We, uh, went, we went on vacation to Colorado one year and we stopped at this place at this national park called Royal Gorge. And I can't tell you how high this bridge is off the air. I don't know. I rode a cable car across it. I was fine. I thought it was really fun. Travis absolutely refused to ride it. But we also got to the point of the bridge that you walk across and you go, ooh, ah, it's so high. And Travis couldn't walk. Yeah. (laughs) He couldn't walk. So when you stand on the bridge and look down, there's a river way down there. And you've got those people that do the, the whitewater rafting. Yeah. And the rafts are smaller than micro machines when you're looking down. They're they're tiny. You have to really look to even be able to see them. That's how high up you are. I have to look it up. I, I think, have to look up and see how high up that bridge is. I think we're but talking in the thousands, though. It moves when the wind blows. Yes. There are assholes driving cars on it. <laughs> 
So the whole fucking thing bounces when somebody drives across. And not all the boards are nailed down or bolted <laughs> down. Like some of them move oh when the cars gosh, they drive did by. Not. They did. <laughs> But every time one of the kids would start to, oh, and they take off running traps, like, stop, stop. Yeah. <laughs> Hold still. And he would just kind of inch along this bridge. So it probably took us way longer to get across it than it should have. And I don't know that you ever looked off the edge once. Did you? No. <laughs> well, I mean, I did. But I had been there before when I was a kid. Yeah. But it just. But it didn't bother me as much when I was a kid. Demonstrating. Now, that I'm a, now that I'm an adult and I know. <laughs> Just how dead I would be. but <laughs> Like, you'd have a long time to think about shit on your way down there. Oh, my gosh. Like, every bad thing you've ever done in your life, you'd have time to consider it. <laughs> so, what did you love and hate about Frozen? <sighs> I don't know that there was anything I loved about Frozen, but I don't know that there was anything I hated about it either. Just kind of so middle it of the wasn't, road. It wasn't a movie that I really enjoyed, but it wasn't a movie that I disliked necessarily either. Mm-hmm. I mean, aside from the part that the characters are introduced as sort of unlikable, I mean, like kind of the privileged and sort of entitled, mm-hmm. um, we get to do whatever we want kind of characters. Um, but aside from that, I don't know. I feel like the character development was good. The acting was solid. The effects were good. You told me there was a score. I'm sure it was great. <laughs> I just, I don't know. The, the story itself just didn't get me. You know what I mean? There wasn't anything that like just grabbed me and engaged me about the story and I think that's it so I mean if, if it's kind of a, I guess it's a slow jam well it's not really though is it I mean I, I guess it takes a while for it to get started a little bit and then maybe it's got places it lulls maybe well it's I just don't... not really fast paced at any point mm-hmm. I think and maybe that's the other thing too is maybe there's just not enough action in it for me maybe that's it hmm. I mean because they get to the lift pretty quickly you know they they're they're on it and then it does they're not up there long before he jumps and gets eaten right um but there's a lot of dialogue and i don't know i don't mind dialogue but i need like guy Ritchie dialogue <laughs> where it's funny you know what i mean there's something going on and it's interesting and and I'm, i care about what they're saying and mm-hmm. this one i just didn't do it how about you okay so i i guess i can understand what you're saying but i i got way more emotionally invested in it i guess so even when it was just those scenes of just dialogue, it I don't I don't want to say like it meant something, but at the same time, it kind of did. Like you, you do go through those periods of where they start blaming each other for the actions that the others took or their the consequences, and so you do kind of sympathize with them after a while. You know, you're talking about somebody's boyfriend, you're talking about somebody's best friend. You know, it, you you understand where they're coming from, and so for me. Yes, they started off as just dumb kids, but I don't feel like they stayed that way. And I don't know that it would have been realistic for any of them to suddenly know how to survive in this situation. So I do sympathize with them a lot. As far as them being entitled or unlikable, I think they're just kids. I, I think that's the way most kids are. They, they're not think they're not going into a situation thinking that anything bad is going to happen to them. You know, they're just fun loving young adults. You know? Well, that's the thing. They're not kids. These are adults. Yes, but very young adults. Yeah. I can remember you making some very stupid decisions in your 20s. That's true. Mostly fueled by alcohol. So Yeah. 
<laughs> but I thought that the acting was really great. I thought that they all three gave really good performances. And there is a score, and I would say that it is emotional. There's there's some beats where it can get pretty emotional, um, especially toward the end. Um, the special effects I thought were really great for for what little we got. They they were pretty good. Um, I heard a complaint that somebody said they liked the movie except for the CG wolves, <laughs> which is ridiculous. They're what on earth would make you think that they're CG? I don't. Where did they get that? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> but uh, the wolves are absolutely fucking terrifying. I can't. Uh, this is this is kind of equivalent to Jaws, I guess, where you have a very simple story where not just a lot happens, but when it does happen, it makes you completely tense up, or at least it did me. So I I did feel the suspense throughout that you know something bad is going to happen, you just don't know what or when. So I did enjoy that aspect of it. I stayed stressed for the whole movie. Yeah. Now I do appreciate that they didn't try to turn the wolves into the villain. Right. Because um, you know in Jaws they do kind of to, to Jaws. Mm-hmm. Um, they try to make that shark like this is a bad guy. You right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even though it's just a shark doing what a shark does. Right. And Green didn't do that in this film. No. Like, obviously the wolves are, are a component and they they eat two people. Mm-hmm. But at no point does he try to single them out as these are the evil thing. Because right. they're not. They're just wolves doing what wolves do. Mm-hmm. Except it's New England. <laughs> where they're from what I understand haven't been reports of wolves since like the 19th. 1800s. <laughs> but maybe that's the reason Ash, uh, Lynch says that, was it New England wolves or pussies? Yeah. Or something like that? Yeah. It's because there's not any, okay. according to the internet. Um, As far as anything I hated, uh, no, not really. I, I can't. Like I said, it, it does lull in a couple of places, but it wasn't anything that made me bored or took me out of it or anything. It was, I thought it was fine. So I guess the, that moves us on into ratings. So Travis, marry, fuck, or kill. Oh, that's tough on this one. Um, I don't want to marry it. I don't because I would hate to have to spend the rest of my life with this film. <laughs> um, don't think I'd want to fuck it because it might call you back. <laughs> we, oh we can't my have god! That. I think I'm gonna have to go with kill it. Wow, yeah. it's harsh, bro. Well, yeah. <laughs> Shut your mouth! I hate you. I know. <laughs> I don't give a big fuck. <laughs> Fucking YouTube. Yeah. I don't know. I just, is there an indifferent? Can I just ignore it for so the rest you, of my life? Is you never watch it again? If you make me, it's, but I, if you, if left to my own devices, it's not a movie I would ever watch again. Okay. If you put it on and you're like, hey, let's watch this. I'll be in the room with you. You'll play on your phone. I will. I will hang out with you. <laughs> But it's more about hanging out with you than it is about watching this movie. Gotcha. So I'm I'm going to give it a fuck it because it's not one that I watch all the time. But because of, I, I guess, that memory that I'm always going to have of freaking out, it's it's always going to stick with me. And so for that reason, I kind of pull it out once in a while to, you know, especially when it's when it's cold during the winter, uh, which is why we're talking about it. I, you know, so yeah, I'll, I'll fuck with it from time to time. It's a booty call. Call it every once in a while when I'm feeling the itch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So on that note, honey, what are we talking about next week? I think we're doing the blob. We are doing the blob. I'm so excited. This is... uh... I don't know that I've ever seen it. Are you serious? I could have swore that I've made you watch it at least once. I think I was in the room. So this is a uh, this is a request, and it is also a film that is 
lovingly from my childhood. And while his name escapes me right this second, I believe it's the same director as Dream Warriors. So I love this movie so, so much. I understand that it's a remake. Please don't force me to sit through the old Jell-O Steve McQueen blob because I really don't have any interest. But I fucking love this movie and I'm so excited to talk about it. So thank you to my sister for the request. And then we are going to follow that up with another request, but we are not going to tell you that one right away. So stay tuned for next week. Tease you with it. <laughs> it's the anticipation that'll get you. <laughs> so guys, we will see you back next week with the blob. Until then, take care. Bye. What would you do to save the life of a teenage boy? If you subscribe to our Patreon for just three to ten dollars a month, you can get Aiden out of the industrial-sized hamster wheel we use to power our show. For that, you'll get access to bonus content and allow me to remove Aiden's handcuffs. He doesn't run worth shit with them on anyway. Also be sure to show your support on our social media pages. You can find us on Twitter as TravisL80 and SpookyMom83. Thank you for your consideration. <laughs>